Happy New Year, everybody. Thank you so much for joining us for this online service from First Baptist Church in Rock Hill. Today, you're going to hear a message by Brother Chris Richards. He is, with others, planting a new church in Pittsburgh called Steel City Church, and our church is partnering with them. And so uh, I invited Chris to preach here on December 11, and he shared an encouraging word with our family of faith. And I want you to hear it today because I believe it will encourage you, all of us, each of us need to be involved in church planting, of, of sharing the gospel, and, and helping to, to raise up new churches where they are desperately needed. So I pray you will listen to this message by Chris and be encouraged and challenged. Let's pray, and then you, you'll hear Brother Chris Richards preaching. Father, thank you for this opportunity you've given us to, to begin a, a new year. And, uh, Father, sharing the gospel should be the commitment that all of us have on our hearts for 2023. And I thank you for Steel City Church in Pittsburgh, for Chris and the others who are planting that new church. And I thank you for the faithfulness that they are demonstrating for the way you, Father, have been faithful and blessing already with so many decisions and so much good work being done. And I thank you for Chris and the message that he's sharing with everyone right now. Use it to encourage people and to speak to people about a relationship with you, about sharing the gospel, and, and about the importance of local churches and planting new local churches. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Um, my name is Chris Richards. I'm the pastor, one of the pastors at Steel City Church um, about... Two and a half years ago, I moved my family up, so yes, that was in the heat of COVID, um, to plant a church in Pittsburgh. And I will tell you and confess to you right now that, that church planting is extremely hard. It's probably the third hardest thing I've ever done uh, behind uh, being, being married um, to my beautiful wife, Rachel, which you get a chance to meet here in a little bit, and being a father. Uh, church planting is probably third. And people, I tell a lot of people that, and people ask, well, why, why is church planting so hard? Is it, I know you're in Pittsburgh, is it, is it the city, like the smokestacks and the steel mills? And I'm like, no, it's not the city. The city's beautiful. I mean, it's beautiful. It's the, the, the steel mills have been gone a long time. It's med, ed, and tech now. It's just beautiful, thriving and bumping and, and great. They're like, well, is, is it the cold weather? And I'm like, well, the cold weather's hard. You know, between the month of, February and March, you pretty much know the weather it, because it's the same thing every day. It's like Groundhog Day. It's 30 degrees and cloudy every day. And then you wake up the next day and it's 30 degrees and cloudy. And then the next day it's 30 degrees and cloudy and it just never seems to change. But I started taking vitamin D. I try to get out as much as I can, especially when the sun is shining, even though it's cold. So I'm good. So it's not the weather they're like, well, it's it's got to be the people. I mean, it's in the north. I mean, people in the north are mean, right? And I'm like, well, no. Pittsburgh is a really more of a midwestern city in a in a geographic location of the northeast, and the people are just wonderful. Yenzers is what they call themselves are just wonderful. It's not the people. It's not the weather. Is God not moving? I'm like, yeah, God's moving. I mean, he's just doing his thing like he always has and always will do. They're like, well, what is it? I'm like, well, the hardest thing about church planning 
is being in a place where you go and you sit down at breakfast, which is my favorite meal of the day. Y'all seem like more like lunch people because y'all come to the, the late service. But if you've ever been to breakfast before, um, you order your plate and they come and they bring you your breakfast plate with this foreign substance on it. Potatoes. Who eats potatoes for breakfast? Like, God-fearing people don't eat potatoes for breakfast, okay? So if you eat potatoes for breakfast, we'll pray about that later, and we'll figure it out. But I think that's been the hardest transition. So if that's my hardest transition to Pittsburgh, then I guess I don't have much to complain about. But um, it's, been, it's been great so far, to say the least. So I want to introduce you, before I introduce myself fully, I want to introduce you. You got a chance to meet David, who's our college ministry director. I want you to meet Zach. Zach actually right now is preaching um, to our people in Pittsburgh. Like I told the last service, I like y'all. I love our people. I just love my people at Steel City Church. Zach is, is my co-pastor. We do this thing together. We lock arms, and it is a blessing to do that. Zach has been serving in the city for right at 10 years now. He served at another church plant that ended up having to close and then came over to Steel City and has been a wealth of knowledge and just been a, a wonderful opportunity for, to have a brother that I can lock arms with and do ministry with. He's married to Leah, his wife. They've been married for a while. Um, she's a counselor by trade, but a jack of all trades at our church. She leads worship. She leads our, our women's discipleship ministry. She just cares for people. She's, she's awesome. No, no idea how Zach got Leah. It just blows my mind, but I'm sure a lot of men in here could say that about their wives. But then the one that you're really paying attention there is a little nugget in the middle of the screen, which is Felix. Felix Charles came to us in September, September 20th, and has been such a blessing. Um, Zach and Leah were not sure if they were going to be able to have children or not. And here is the blessing, the bundle of joy we call Felix. And he is just awesome. Um, so he is, he is great. Whenever I think about doing ministry with Zach, it, it draws me to Psalm 133.1. It says, How good and pleasant it is for brothers to dwell together in unity. And so I wish that Zach could be here to meet you. There's a lot of people from your church that have gone up and met Zach, and he is just wonderful and great to do ministry with. Um, the next picture is going to be up on the screen is my family. I'm married to Rachel. We've been married for almost 16 years. We got married two days before Christmas in 2006. It is, was a questionable decision then and still seems to be a questionable decision now. More so on her part, she has not traded me in or upgraded me yet. I have a feeling that day might come, but we'll, I'll let you know when it does. Um, but Rachel's great. She uh, stays at home but then also spends time caring for women in our church and does great things with that. I have two little girls. My oldest is Tinley. Tinley is 10 years old. As I've said before, she's my Pharisee. Uh, she follows all the rules. Um, when I'm driving through the neighborhood, she is quick to remind me, Daddy, speed limit's 25, not 26. 25, Dad, 25. So I have to be careful what I do and say around my oldest, but she has a heart the size of Pennsylvania. Um, she is such a blessing to me, the way that she can just identify in people a need or something lacking and have this desire to go and meet it and care for people. Um, it's a blessing to see that in my child. And then I have my youngest. Her name is Edie. She's eight years old. They say she's just like me. I don't want to admit that. Um, she is the life of the party. Homegirl has lost every piece of clothing, even clothing that she is currently wearing. She has found a way to lose it. She's never lost a party, not once in her life. 
She loves to have a good time. She is so much fun. She's a joy. But she is definitely, as you heard in my side just a minute ago, my humility. Um, so she's great. You know, I personally have only been a pastor for a very short time in my professional career. I actually served as a public, ed, public school educator for 14 years. Um, loved what I did. I got a chance to teach for six years. I taught fourth and fifth graders, mainly math and science in a, in a public charter school in the Columbia, South Carolina area. And then I made the very questionable decision to move into administration, um, which I ended up actually loving. I served for three years as an assistant principal at, at several elementary schools in the Columbia area. Then I served for five years as an elementary school principal um, in downtown Columbia in an urban school uh, very low income, Title I environment. I loved my school. I loved my kids. I loved their families. I loved my staff. I loved the community that our school was in. It was awesome. And then God disrupted all that. And now I, I received the blessing weekly, daily, of being a pastor and being able to shepherd people in the city of Pittsburgh. Sometimes I laugh and I'm like, God, could you have just done it my way? Just maybe you could have asked before you like changed my life up and moved me to Pittsburgh. Never thought I would leave education. Never thought I would leave Columbia. Never thought I would be doing what I'm doing now. But here I am um, by the work of the Holy Spirit. It's been a blessing. And so here I stand before you today. And, and, and the beautiful thing, the reason why I get to stand before you today is because you have been so generous to us. You might not know the first thing about Still City Church, but I still can stand here and say thank you. We're going to actually be looking in the book of Philippians today. So if you want to go ahead and open your Bibles or flip to it in your phone, um, go ahead and do that. The, the book of Philippians is awesome. Um, it is a just beautiful letter. If you've never written it, uh, read it sorry, in its entirety, I strongly encourage you to do so. It has this recurring theme that comes up where Paul is saying to the church in Philippi, Rejoice in the Lord. When I think about this letter, I of course can think about y'all. And, and whenever I'm asked to preach, I just have come to love just through discipleship, a people's discipleship of me. I've come to love the Word of God and teaching and preaching the Word of God. And Steve Hogg asked, to come, asked me to come do this. And I was like, great, what passage do you want me to teach out of? And, and he told Jamie, he's like, just tell him just to tell some stories about Still City Church. And I was like, man, okay, I can tell some stories of Still City Church because one thing I know about Pastor Hogg is when he tells you to do something you just you do it you just do it so here i am but we're going to be framing the stories of steel city church through the book of philippians because it's just such a beautiful example of what i think the implications of it is is i think my heart for y'all my church's heart for y'all and y'all's heart for us and so i start in philippians at the very beginning uh, uh, chapter one verses three through five it says, I thank my God in all my remembrance of you, always offering prayer with joy in my every prayer for you all in view of your participation in the gospel from the first day until now. Rock Hill First Baptist Church, thank you. Thank you for all that you've done for us at Steel City Church. You have no idea how much you mean to us. Your financial support, you have been incredibly generous for three years now in giving of your, your treasure. If you have given 
your treasure to, to this church. This church has given part of that to us so that way the participation of the gospel can be spread into Pittsburgh. Thank you. It means tons to us. More importantly, beyond just your financial support, your prayer support of us, I have received countless text messages and emails and cards and even encouragement in passing through people that I've met face-to-face of them saying, hey, Chris, we're praying for y'all. Hey, Chris, how can I pray for you? Hey, we prayed for you on this day at this time. Your prayer for us matters. That's participation in the gospel. From the very first day, even before our church was, was a technical church, there were people here praying for us. Thank you. You've sent people to us to do work and do things that we couldn't do. We had a, a group come and do a parents' night out, and we had a a lady from the neighborhood who brought her kids to that parents' night out that is not connected to our church, and from what I gather, is not connected to Jesus. And she said, hey, Pastor Chris, thank you. That was the first time that my husband and I had been on a date in over two years. Thank you, Rock Hill, for doing that. Thank you. There was this one group that came up that we still laugh about. It was Tim, Jody, Bill, and Tom. And those guys came up, and all they wanted to do was change out lights and fix drywall. That's all they wanted to do. And then we went and ate hamburgers. And we still laugh about that night. I left um, Applewood Smoke Burger Bar with a sore stomach from laughing so hard at these boys telling stories about each other. But they flex their, their talents and their, their muscles to, to serve us. And there's a, a portion of our neighborhood that is marked off just for Rock Hill. When y'all come every single time you prayer walk, And we have seen fruit coming from those areas. Thank you. You know, Jamie's care for us has been second to none. Jamie Burdett sets the standard, in our opinion, of how pastors from churches should care for the church they're working with. So, Jamie, we thank you for that. And then Pastor Hogg, his unwavering support, he served on our advisory board. We had a very tumultuous time in the life of our church. Very tumultuous time. It was because of Steve Hogg's wisdom and his experience and his care and his love that we were able to continue. I have a feeling that Pastor Hogg went to bat for us in ways that I'll never know about. But he did that on behalf of y'all and on behalf of the participation in the work of the gospel. So First Baptist, thank you. Know that you're loved. Know that we praise God for you often. Because of y'all, we're able to move in and do a process of ministry. And our process of ministry follows what we say is the ways of Jesus. Our mission statement is we exist to learn and live the ways of Jesus. The, the process of ministry that we think Jesus did was a triangle. It had this up, out, and in. So up, out, and in, the up. Jesus would take time to steal away from people to enjoy connection with God. He, being the Son of God Himself sought after his father. So we say up, enjoy connection with God. We say in, the beauty of the body of Christ is we are all in this together. Whether you want to be in it or not, you in it. And so one thing we say with our in connections, just as Jesus took care of his disciples to, to guide them and direct them and pour into them and encourage them, we say at Still City Church, the inside of that is invest in each other. And you don't just take in what God has for you and and create this nice bubble-wrapped community of followers of Jesus, but we're also called to go out. And so we say engage with the disconnected.
And so we're going to frame the, the, the celebration of Steel City Church through that because y'all are, particip- y'all are participating in the gospel with us. So let's start with in. Invest in each other. That's what we want our people to do. And we see that. Listen to what Paul says in chapter 2, verses 12 and 13. He says, So then, my beloved, just as you have always obeyed, not in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who is at work in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. That's what we want our people to do. We want them to work out their salvation. We, it's not an easy process. You just don't accept Christ and then just wait for all the unicorn and rainbows to come. There's this struggle, there's this working out, there's this sanctification process where we've got to shave off rough edges to look more and more like Jesus. That's what we want our people to do at Steel City Church. One way that we have done that is by caring for a congregation that's really not our own. We meet in a church building that we do not own. It's owned by Squirrel Hill Christian Church. Church has been in the neighborhood for over 100 years. That congregation has whittled down to six faithful saints. And they're all 70 and older. So when a church body rolls in that's mostly 20-somethings, it can be a little crazy at times. Church planning can be more like colonization than it is about care and love. And so one way I feel that Steel City Church is invested in each other is caring for this congregation meeting these congregation, this congregation's needs. It's sad to say, but it's a pretty faithful statement that churches don't usually work well together. Stinks to be able to say that. It's an indictment. So we invest in each other by caring for this congregation. There's this group of women in our, in our neighborhood that have, are in our church that come from the neighborhood, various corners of our neighborhood, that have coined themselves the Golden Girls. Now, Pittsburgh is the city of neighborhoods. Mr. Rogers grew up, he, he grew up in Latrobe, but he lived not too far away from where David and me live. And he, um, you know, you say city of neighborhoods, you're like, oh man, well, people just love each other and it's just happy all the time. And it's like, no, I mean, the neighborhood that we live in is an is a old, still, old steel neighborhood. And these people have been in this neighborhood for a long time and they know everything about each other. And it is not up, uplifting and encouraging information. And so here we have this group of women that are from the neighborhood that have lived in this and have been in isolation over the past two years. And here they are coming together to invest and care and love each other. Actually, one of them, Miss Faith, um, Miss Faith and Miss Debbie took Miss Rose to Cincinnati, Ohio yesterday to drop Miss Rose off so she could spend the holidays with her family, which she hadn't seen in two years. And Miss Faith was just so excited about going. And it's like, Miss Faith, why are you so excited about going? She's like, this is my first ever girls trip. They were going to spend hours upon hours in the car together, investing in each other. You know, in the I mentioned our 20-somethings congregation, which is a, a large portion of what our congregation looks like. You know, when I was a principal, I was taught the upper grade, so going into the kindergarten class was, I could get my heart rate up a little bit, and it made me nervous because I was like, I, the teacher has to leave. Like, I don't know what I'm going to do with all these kids. Like, what am I going to do? Well, I thought that was hard until I started leading the church at 20-somethings. It's like herding cats. 
And so we have a great low-key fellowshipping type congregation of just young people that just love to hang out. What do we want them to do? We want them to work out their salvation with fear and trembling. We want, we want them to invest in each other and care for each other and love each other and challenge each other and grow each other and disciple each other. Invest in each other. We go to up, which is enjoy connection with God. I think about verse or chapter 3, verse 10, where Paul's exclaiming, laying out the example that he has set, that I may know him, that I may know Christ and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings, that, that I'll be conformed to his death, that I will look more and more and more and more like Jesus by knowing. We say that up, that enjoy connection with God. We do that at Still City Church through discipleship groups. We can celebrate the fact that we have right out of 50 adults in discipleship groups that meet weekly. And they dive in. And they're holding each other accountable. And they're praying for each other. And they're challenging each other. They're encouraging each other in the Word. Pushing each other to enjoy connection with God. But there's no better way to celebrate connection with God but through new life. And I introduce you to a lady uh, named Beth Cronin. Now, mind you, Beth Cronin is about five feet tall, 100 pounds soaking wet. All right, she lived in the neighborhood for a long time. I met Beth at school, uh, dropping my kids off. She was dropping her granddaughter off. I was dropping my kids off. And I, the first time I saw Beth, I saw her from a distance. The only thing I could say to myself was, that lady looks like death warmed over. I asked her if I could say that, by the way. And she said, absolutely. She looked like death warmed over. Miss Beth, at getting to know her, was mourning the loss of her husband, Skippy, every single day as if he passed away yesterday. He had passed away four years ago. The sting of death was real in Beth's life. Through getting to know her and just caring for her, being introduced to her through Miss Debbie, one of the Golden Girls, one day Miss Beth just asked me, she goes, Pastor Chris, can I just give you a hug? It's like, absolutely, Beth. You can absolutely give me a hug. Well, one day she was really kind of just down. My wife noticed it. My wife took her a chicken pie. And when my wife delivered the chicken pie, Beth just broke down in tears. Through that uncommon care and that investing in each other, the Golden Girls invited Beth kind of into their little fellowship. And Beth, after a while decided, you know what, I am going to come to church sometime. She told me later that at her first time sitting in church, she asked herself a question that I can't fully repeat here because the language is a little bit too flowerful, but it was basically, what am I doing here? But she stayed, and she came back, and she came back, and she kept fellowshipping with the ladies. Well, something began to change in Beth. So much so that at some point in time, her counselor asked her, Beth, the counselor she'd been seeing for, for years that's disconnected from Jesus and said, Beth, something's different in you. It's like you have new life. Well, in this process, I kept kind of pushing on Rachel. I was like, Rachel, we've got to share the gospel with Beth. We, we've got to share the gospel with Beth. And actually, I was meeting with David, and David left, and Rachel and I were like, we've got to find a time to share the gospel with Beth. And guess who comes up behind us at Panera? But Beth Cronin, she gave us this big old hug. And I was like, Beth, sit down for a minute. Did I do something wrong? I was like, no, Beth, you didn't do anything wrong. 
And I began the process of sharing uh, the gospel through the cross bridge, and I was laying it out there. I mean, I'm telling you, it was the best gospel presentation I have ever given. Like, you know, like, we're rolling in. We're going to get that number. We're going to be able to check that box. We're going to be able to do that thing because we're all good Baptists, right? And so I'm sharing the gospel with her, and I'm, I am laying it out there, and we're getting to Romans 10, 9, and 10. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, then you'll be saved. And I'm starting to draw that bridge, or to draw the cross across the thing to be the bridge. And I was like, here we go. And Beth is like, I already did this. I was like, what do you mean you already did this? You ruined my, you're ruining it, Beth. And she's like, I already confessed Jesus, Lord. I did it a while ago. Like, but since then, something's just been different. And I was like, Beth, you confess Jesus, Lord. I was like, she's like, yeah. I was like, you're unashamed to say that Jesus, Lord. She goes, watch this. And all five foot, nothing, hundred pounds of her soaking wet, stood up in Panera, faced where everybody was in one of the busiest Paneras in Pittsburgh, that's right there by the college campus. She stands up, put her arms over her head, and screams out, Jesus is Lord. I was like, who is this woman? And I was like, you have got to be kidding me. Beth got baptized on Easter, and I have a picture of her coming out of the water. Again, Beth just is, is her little fire self, and I, you know, buried with Christ in baptism, and typically, you know, raise the walk in the newness of life, and I'll sit down and then stand up very carefully. Don't get water on the floor. We don't want to celebrate too much, right? Beth ain't like that. That's not how it rolls for Beth. She grabbed hold of my shirt. She straightened her legs out. And when I brought her up, she grabbed me and pulled out. And that's exactly how she ended up. Screaming out to the congregation, Jesus is Lord. The joy that comes from Beth is incredible. It's only the joy that Jesus can provide. That I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings. That I may be conformed to him in his death. Beth's life has not gotten easier. In fact, it's probably gotten harder. Her mother is in a facility right now, perishing. Her family is broken. She's gone through horrible circumstances, even since accepting Christ. That's why we go and engage with those who are disconnected. Beth will say, if I didn't have Jesus, I would be dead right now. Remember what her counselor said? It's like you have new life. Beth, because you do, God's not here He's here. So we go out and engage the disconnected. I look at uh, Philippians 4, 4 through 5. As followers of Jesus, Paul's imploring them, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Look what he says in verse 5. Let your gentle spirit be known to all men. Let them see the light that you shine with humility and gentleness and goodness and patience and mercy and grace. You know, ministering in Pittsburgh, it it is hard. It is a post-Christian environment. Beth's family is a great example. If Beth would not have accepted Christ, there's actually... 
six or seven generations removed. She has a great-grandson. He would be the seventh generation removed from any influence of the gospel that we know of. Seven generations. It's a slow and steady process. It's relational. It takes time. It's not build it and they will come. It's you go and you care and you shine the light and you let your spirit, that gentle spirit, be known to all men. We do that, we do that through connect groups, uh, community groups. I think y'all might call them life groups. Where we invite people in. We ask our young people, our 20-somethings that love the fellowship, or even our golden girls who love the fellowship, leave a seat open. Invite someone in to hang out. We call it peeking through the blinds. It's consistent. It's constant. You know, we did this thing called Core Noble, the premier summer corn event of the summer. All right, it's a corn-themed field day. Don't ask me why. I can't answer that, but it was a lot of fun. We were throwing buttered corn like it was an egg toss, okay? And there's, there's the winners. I think they cheated, but that's just me. Um, I'll work that out later. But as people, we were seeing us fellowship and, and just have fun in the churchyard. It was funny to see people drive past. Like, what are they doing? Why do they have so much joy? Why are they letting their gentle spirit be known to all? You know, we talk about ministry in the margins. Leaving space open, leaving time open, leaving opportunities open to care for your neighbors, your co-workers, your family, your colleagues, whatever it may be. I think about the relationships that we've built. Uh, one of them is, is the next picture. It's Destiny and Martin. We just love Destiny and Martin. Martin is a, is a postal, um, a U.S. postal investigator investigating mail fraud, and Destiny is a professor at Carnegie Mellon University. I, I don't know if Destiny and Martin are connected to Jesus. We've had those conversations, and I don't think they're there quite yet. But man, they love to hang out. And they love to be part. That's them carrying our banner in the Christmas parade. The Greenfield Christmas parade. Engaging with the disconnected is what we do. We don't just get fat by taking on our connection up and enjoying our connection up or investing in. But we use it and we go out. You know, we continue in chapter 4 into verses 6 and 7 which just this is beautiful treatise of, of what we should do now. And it's similar to what I'm going to ask you to do here in just a minute. And Paul says in verse 6, Be anxious for nothing. Don't worry about anything. But in everything, before you start worrying, do this. Start praying and supplicate. And supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Pour them out there. You know, we like to say at Still City Church, especially in the office, you can't outwork the Holy Spirit. You can't outwork him. Man, I was about to close the deal and the bridge method with Miss Beth, and she was like, I already done that. You can't outwork the Holy Spirit. He's always steps ahead. Don't worry about anything, but pray. We beg you for your prayers. Why do we beg you for your prayers? Now, verse 7, And the peace of God which surpasses all comprehension will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. You can't outwork the Holy Spirit. You can worry Him away, 
but you can't outwork him. So we're going to beg you for your prayers. Just as Jamie asked you to pray for David and the Christian community on the campuses, we're going to, we, I beg you for your prayers. Number one, I beg you that you would rejoice in the work that is happening in Pittsburgh. Steel City Church is not the savior of Pittsburgh. We're not the savior of Pittsburgh. There has been gospel work going on in the city of Pittsburgh for decades. Rejoice in that. Rejoice in the gospel work that's happening in Rock Hill as well. Rejoice in the Lord. You know, we've benefited from your time, talent, and treasure. And there's nothing, nothing more important, though, than us receiving your prayers. So we're begging you to stir the hearts within the people of our neighborhood on the college campus. That's number two. Beg for the Spirit to stir in their people's hearts. We've seen fruit from the places where Rock Hill, where First Baptist Church Rock Hill has prayer walked. We've seen fruit. Continue that will happen. That, 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 I'm sorry, pray that that will continue to happen. And then finally, there's two things I wish I could tell stories about that I just can't. Number one, I can't tell the story of this just beautiful worship gathering that we do. We do worship gatherings, but we really struggle. Our people just don't have the talent to lead worship. We have some, some people who are willing to get up there and do it. So we are, we are begging God that he would send us someone that is skilled and talented in the area of leading worship. And then finally, and I think most importantly, even more important than a worship gathering, I cannot tell the story of a couple that's between the ages of 40 and 60 that are possible empty nesters, that have been faithful saints, digging into the Word constantly and are mature in the faith, that when we have something happen in our church, they can pull in the college students and say, hey, it's okay, let me reorient you. When we have a couple who, who lost a child, we don't have a, a couple, an empty nester type couple that could pull them in and say, you know what, I know you don't see the light at the end of the tunnel. But God is always faithful. We don't have that empty nester couple that just can, can string us in and, and pull the cord tight to anchor us to the one that we need to be anchored to. I would ask you to beg God for that. Beg God for some faithful saints to, to be willing to, to maybe move up enter into the cold, enter into a different context to participate in the work of the gospel. You know, in closing, it's easy to say again, thank you. Rock Hillians, as Jamie says of y'all, thank you. You'll never know the seeds that you're sowing. You'll never know what, most likely what will happen to them. I grew up in a church very similar to this in Columbia, South Carolina with Shannon Baptist Church. And I am forever indebted to the men and women who were faithful, who just were present and were open and were willing to be generous with their time and their talent to care for me and disciple me. I would not be here before you if it was not for those people. Thank you for what you do. You know, don't rest on your laurels. 
allow Jesus to shape your heart first and extend from there. Grow out from there. We're entering into a time of invitation. There's going to be some pastors down here in just a minute. If, if something I said stirred you, and maybe you're like, man, I don't know if I'm even connected to Jesus. I don't know if I have ever stated outwardly Jesus is Lord. And you'd like to talk to somebody about that. Man, there'd be people down here that they would find no more joy in life than to talk to you about that. Maybe it's like, man, what Rock Hill First Baptist Church is doing for that church up in Pittsburgh is pretty cool. I'd maybe like to jump in on that. Well, they got a spot for you to serve and to care and to be generous with your time, talent, and treasure here as well. David's going to be in the back here in just a little bit. I'm also going to be around. Um, I am getting hungry, though, so you know how that goes. I'm sure you are as well. We're going to enter into a time of invitation now. The pastor's going to come. Let me pray, and then we're going to worship um, as we close out. Heavenly Father, we open our hands to you. Um, we're just going to read uh, Philippians 1, 9, and 11. And this I pray, that this church's love will abound more and more in real knowledge and all discernment, so that they may approve the things that are excellent in order to be sincere and blameless in the day of Christ, having been filled with the fruit of righteousness, which only comes through Christ Jesus, to the glory and the praise of God. We love you. Amen.